Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today on the FNO InsureTech Podcast. I am your host, Lee Boyd. Your other host, Rob Beller, is unable to be on today, but he's very sad about that, and he sends his his wishes to everybody. Uh, He didn't actually tell me that, but I'm going to tell you that he said that. Uh, That way, everyone feels good about him not being here. But as always, we miss Rob. He'll be back uh, on the next one, I think, I hope. Uh, This podcast today is is a really neat one that I think everyone's going to enjoy. We have Michael Nidell, who's the Senior Director at Simon Kucher and Partners, a consulting firm uh, where he works at uh, on the insurance vertical, and he helps carriers of all sizes navigate this world of, of, of insurance, but you know, insurtech, pricing, underwriting, AI, climate change, you name it. He deals with it. On the on the podcast today, we're going to get to talk about those subjects. We're going to get to know a little bit about who he is. But like I said, we're going to get to talk about how insurers are dealing with, with climate change, how insurers are changing around, making sure that they're making money. And then we end with a, a really good segment on on sales and, and what does AI look like and, and chat GPT or you know things like that in the in the sales. In, in, in the sales world. So it'll be a great conversation. Uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's our interview with Michael Nidell, Senior Director at Simon Kucher and Partners. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we have another exciting episode today. We have Michael Nadell, who's a senior director at Simon Kucher. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Great. Did I say all that right? Did I pronounce yeah. it correctly? Yeah, it sounded good. Good. It's almost like I practiced beforehand, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Michael, we're excited to have you on. Uh, where where, where do we have you today? Where, where yeah. are, are you calling us from? Calling in from uh, the northern suburbs of the Chicago area. I'm up in uh, the Deerfield area, if you're That's familiar with Chicago area. Land. Yeah, is that is that home? It's home now. It's been home for uh, probably about the last decade or so. Originally raised in the Midwest and uh, Cincinnati area, and then have been in Chicago for quite some time now. Okay, what 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 got you moving up there? I I came here right out of school. Um, I started my career in consulting and knew I was going to be on the road. Ended up moving from uh, Indiana to Chicago and have been here ever since. Well, that's a good thing. You went, let's see, didn't you maybe, you went up to school up there, you said, right? I went to, I went to Indiana for uh, undergrad and for my first master's degree. Um, and I went out of school. I was working at Accenture for, for a little while in their financial services consulting practice. I moved up here to Chicago because I knew the most people here. 
uh, was you know an easy place to be when you were on the road four days a week every week. Yeah, uh, and met my now wife, and her whole family is from here. So, got a strong sneaking suspicion that I'm going to be here for a long time. But I love it; it's, it's a great city. Well, good. It's nice. It's the good weather up there. <laughs> I don't know if many people say that, but but you know, it's got it's got right now today. It's good, right? It, yeah, isn't today right. nice? Today it's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. It's a, it's a uh, 112 where I live today. Oh yeah, I think we're yeah. getting some of that later this week. Well, you're welcome. You can have ours. Um, well, Michael, why don't we talk a little bit about the uh, company you work for? So sure. you are a insurance guy. You've been in the sure. insurance world, and now you're working with, with Simon Kucher and partners. What What is Simon Kucher? Yeah, we are a strategy consultancy focused on enabling growth for our clients. We do this across a number of different industries uh, with financial services and specifically insurance being one of them. At the core of kind of what that means is we help clients focus on all things growth related, no things really kind of cost optimization. So if you think about that, it's really how do you price your products better? How do you compose them into offerings that are really kind of well understood and easier to be purchased? How do you enable your sales teams to be more effective? Do you have optimal go-to-market strategies defined? And we deploy these things across a number of different industries with people that are kind of specialized like myself uh, across a number of different topics. And yeah, I focus in on the insurance side of the world on those topics. What type of clientele are we are we talking to here? Is it major carriers? Is it yeah. is it smaller regional? Yeah, so it's really the entire kind of insurance ecosystem. Um, so we focus on the carrier space as well as all of the people in the insurance ecosystem that sell into that carrier market. Typically in the carrier side, it's kind of your mid to large players. Um, but then we also work with the TPAs, third-party analytic providers, and the insure techs of the world uh, and helping them to figure out the best ways to sell their products more effectively into their primary buyers. That one's interesting, working with insure techs to sell their products. Yep. Can 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 you talk about that a little bit? Because we, we talk to insure techs all day long. It's an insure yep. tech podcast. And normally it's it's people who came up with an idea and said we could we could disrupt or we could enhance insurance. But sometimes they don't know really how to sell what they're trying to do. Is, yeah. is it, you know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, there's there's kind of two primary levers I'd say in the way that we help insure techs. One is, you know, ensuring that the the product kind of fits the the core intent. So I think you hit the nail on the head of the way that most insure techs kind of think about starting a business. You know, they probably came from the insurance space or they were involved in the insurance space and they came up with an idea after having probably a poor kind of experience in one way or looking for uh, a way to optimize that. With the way that we do work, we have a team of subject matter experts that have kind of seen the insurance industry, worked across a number of different spaces and can bring perspective on whether a product has been developed in a way that's really going to meet kind of the biggest product market fit and we also take kind of a unique approach into the way that we think about validating whether or not ideas are good. And it's, you know, a revolutionary idea, which is speak to your customers. And so we actually go out and do a lot of this research and speaking directly to the end 
consumers and talking about what the product is that's being offered and understanding really what do they value that's within there, right? And extracting kind of that value statement and making sure that the product fit is fit for the market. Um, and that when they think about developing a product roadmap, it meets the needs that they haven't yet captured in the product. The other area I'd say that we really help InsureTechs in is, is one of the core competencies of, of the firm, which is pricing and packaging. So our firm was, was built on this, uh, this concept around effective pricing and packaging of products. And, and that's really where our firm gained notoriety. And so we're able to deploy that for the insure tech and help them think about, are you pricing not only at, at what you're charging for your products, but how you're charging for it? Do you charge based off a DWP? Is it transaction-based? And, and what are the levels at which you should be selling uh, this product for? And so we're able to deploy kind of our, our proven concepts around pricing into the insure tech space and help them make the product fit their needs and, and price it accordingly to, to be able to adopt more sales overall. That's neat. I assume there's a lot of secret sauce <laughs> in that, but, but I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the insurance space. The insurance space is a lot of times traditional. We're, we're thoughtful in, in the moves, right? It's been around for, for years and years, hundreds of years, and it's working. And so whenever you're selling a insure tech product, to a traditional carrier, I assume it's more than just the the price. You have to add that that value prop. Is, is that something doubt. you do as well? Yeah, without a doubt. And and I've been on the other side of of that, having been a part of an innovation function within a large carrier, where it was partly our job to understand how we could do things better and what sorts of technologies would better enable that. And so I think. I've got a pretty unique perspective when I go to help our clients. It's not just, is the product right? Is it priced correctly? But what are the value articulation points that are necessary to kind of get carriers interested in the conversation? And what are the tactics and techniques to be able to kind of flow through the insurance carrier's typical decision-making process to better set yourself up for a sale? Because I, I think you're exactly right. It, it's you know, price is typically a factor. And I think that people very often lean on this and think that it's the only and the key factor. But in reality, in insurance, you know, price is, is important, but ultimately you got to have quality. Uh, and it really doesn't matter what you're selling, whether it's for underwritings, claim management, fraud detection, you could sell anything for cheap, but if it doesn't have the right quality, the carriers aren't going to purchase it. Right. So insure tech and innovation are some words that have been around for a while over the past five years since we've been doing this podcast. I think I've used the word innovation on every single podcast. <laughs> are the big carriers, are they still focusing on innovation? Have they kind of moved over the hill and said, okay, we saw what was out there. Now it's back to our core, our core, or are people, are these companies still striving to be the most innovative companies that they can be. Yeah, I I think I've gotten to see and work with a lot of large carriers, both being in a large carrier is my full-time job as well as from a consulting perspective. And and I think the answer really is different depending on each carrier and the segments that they serve. I mean, I think if you speak in broad generalities, um, the personal lines, 
insurance space is just inherently more innovative. And it's partly because they have to be because they're more direct to the consumer and the consumer's overall end experience. Even within that space, I think there's varying degrees of who's really being innovative in the way that you approach innovation. And I think it, every every carrier will have a group called innovation and they're treated very differently. I think there, there are some carriers that really live and breathe innovation. And to me, what that really means is we're going to try things out more than 50, 60, 70% of the things we're going to try likely won't lead anywhere. And that's fine. We're going to test it with customers. We're going to see what they think. And we're going to adapt our strategy based off of that. And it's really living and breathing that kind of fail fast mentality to driving innovation. I think then there's there's the other side of the coin, which is the commercial lines carriers, which are innovative and they're doing things. But Naturally, the way that they do business is just so different than it is in the direct-to-consumer kind of personal line space. And so innovation does exist. People are testing things in the commercial line space, but it moves it moves more slowly and it moves kind of bottoms up in the market. So you see a lot of similar innovation to the personal line space in, in the small business markets in particular, mm-hmm. where it acts in the commercial space, but more similarly to personal lines. I see. Well, so as a consultant, you you probably get asked a lot of questions. You get to see a lot of, of what's going on and you probably read a lot. And I, I wanna ask, what are what are some trends out there that that people are asking you about or, or focusing on? You know, what, what are some hot topics out there that you know that's in the insurance world? We're talking to a lot of customers right now about better enabling sales. So if you think about the model, both whether it's inside sales or outside sales, so internal sales reps or the agent relationship kind of model, it feels like the agent model is going through a lot of changes. I think historically, the model of an agent had been, hey, come be very entrepreneurial, start your own business, you build your book of business. And then once it gets into this kind of renewal cycle, you're able to just kind of sit pretty and have a nice business that creates a nice you know, revenue stream for you and creates a nice lifestyle. Right. I think where I see the industry starting to go is a bit of a shakeup there where there's a lot of pressure on that traditional model to start to create new business. The agent model is expensive and people are going more digital. And so you have to prove more value, I think, as an agent today to not just to your customers, but also to the carrier that you support if you're a captive agent, for instance. And so we're talking to a lot of carriers about what those models could look like, how they can create the most benefit for their customers, uh, and, and ultimately how to enable both the inside sales reps as well as these agents to be more successful with the plethora of data that exists at the carrier fingertip. Let's dive in a little bit on that. You know, seven, seven, eight years ago, we heard the agent is dying. Yeah. We're doing away with the agent. You can just buy this online. We don't need the agent. And over the years, we saw that fear turn into, you got to have an agent. (laughs) <laughs> Even the insured techs are like, yeah, we sell the majority of our policies through agents. We love the agents. We yeah. have a, another way to buy, but the agent is is integral. The agent's important. But what you're saying is is that it's not maybe not not the death of the agent, but it's a, a different 
type of agent instead of your traditional, here's my agency, maybe it's more inside agents? Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think I think it's it's creating a nice mix. You know, being an agent owner is in and of itself a big financial investment and a commitment. And I think, you know, unfortunately for the insurance industry, if you think about I've got two young kids and, and think about what's what's popular these days. I think being an insurance agent, unless your parents were that or someone in your family is that right. isn't necessarily the first thing that comes to their mind. You know, it is not. What, they want to be TikTok stars and influencers and, and mm-hmm. all of these things. And so I, I think it's it's pushing people towards what used to be a kind of stable career into maybe something, you know, let's dip our toes in it. And for for an insurance carrier that can be more kind of inside sales types of models before pushing to the rep. But I, th- I think the point that you were making about, you know, the death of the agent, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. And I think there's just so many reasons for that. People don't love insurance. No one, no one wants, you know, to even think about their insurance most of the time, except for insurance people until they need it. And then when they need it, it's all about how was the experience. Did they handle my claim effectively? Did they manage this? And that's the human aspect of, of the insurance world, especially in, in personal line space that isn't ever going to change. Like you, you want to be able to call and, and talk to a human um, to be able to get advice on what's going on with your claim or to be able to be explained to, you know, what is it that exactly that you're purchasing? And I think when you take that into the commercial line space, it only becomes more important when everything is more customized, bigger deals, more important. And, you know, if you're running a business, you don't want to be dealing with on a day-to-day basis, the insurance carrier, let your agent or your broker handle that for you and and just shorten that, that cycle for you. Yeah. Especially on the commercial side. I mean, an agent is so important because it's so complicated on the homeowner side or on the auto side, Maybe not as complicated, but yet you want you want to be able to ask a question and get a response back, which which leads me to online instances of like chat GPT yeah. or AI conversations. Is there a way that using engines like Chat GPT or or borrowed from Google, is there a way if you imp, you know, if you implemented something like that into your online sales that maybe you do start giving people more of a, more of a, you know, almost human touch. What is your thought on that? Yeah. I mean, without a doubt. And I think that that's, when you think about, you know, the question I get asked a lot and you ask, you know, what I'm hearing a lot about, if you go to any conference right now, you could, you know, play, play a fun game around how many times was, was the the term gen AI or AI used it. It Mm -hmm. is, the biggest topic of conversation at the moment. And I think the most obvious use cases for it are, at least from a customer facing standpoint, are those kind of immediate touch points at the point of quoting and creating customized policies and and creating a customized kind of customer experience. And there've been a lot of attempts at this kind of over the years with chatbots and different things to, you know, very varying degrees of success. And I think Gen AI is going to take that actually to kind of the first useful level where in some scary ways, you're going to not really know if you're online 
or even right. on the phone speaking to a human or not, right? Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's yeah, it's slightly terrifying. But I think from an insurance perspective, it's a good thing, right? I mean, it, it goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago, where you want to have the feeling of dealing with a human. But what that really means is I want someone who can explain this complicated insurance stuff to me in a very simple way. And that's what the chatbot was invented to do. It just didn't do a very good job of it in most cases whenever it ran into something even, you know, just outside of its realm of what it's able to answer. And, and Gen AI changes that by being able to be more adaptive and, and more thoughtful in the way that it thinks about things and being able to operate outside of this little box that it was programmed to answer. Do uh, you see artificial intelligence changing any other parts of of insurance other than just the just the uh, sales or question side? Yeah, I think it's going to be used in a number of different ways. I mean, I think if you think about like from an underwriting perspective, being able to better identify the appetite that an insurance carrier is interested in. If you think about, and, and I was already seeing this, uh, you know, when I was in the carrier spaces, how do you unlock the data that you have available to you and better you know, analyze what's out there to make decisions. And you think about the legacy way of, of making decisions. It was all about, okay, well, let's run this pre-canned report, you know, the TL-167 state report and see what it says about my premium by state. When in reality, the ability to just freeform ask questions about data is just so much faster, so much more insightful. And there's a bunch of technologies that are being deployed you know, on this kind of conversational way to be able to get at your data and make more kind of informative insights. And then on the other side, you've got the whole claims experience, right? And how can you use AI to, to better create better workflows, create more straight through processing of simple types of claims? And I think that um, Gen AI is really just taking what's already been started with more traditional forms of, of AI and just kind of supercharging some of that. Is it is it your opinion that AI could help some of these insurance companies who are maybe struggling with their ratios to actually, actually start making some money? Do you think AI could help them do that? <laughs> well, I think it can help. I think the question becomes, do you listen to it? And mm. I think I think there's two camps of people out there right now, which is AI is going to take my job. And there's the other camp, which is it can never replace me. And I, I think the, the true answer is it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And the people that are able to kind of lean into that viewpoint are going to be the most successful. And, and I think what I mean by that is AI gives great insights. It can also give very, very bad insights and your ability to like learn and understand these models and how to best kind of feed it data, the right data to make it smarter, analyze what it's saying and make thoughtful decisions. Absolutely. You can, you can start to write much better business, but if you know, you're of the camp where you think that you're the smartest person on the earth, well. If you choose to to neglect some of these insights, uh, yeah, you'll probably continue to write poor business. Let's talk a little bit about underwriting. You said that's one of the one of the uh, core principles that you work on. We've seen a lot of insurance companies stop writing or say they're going to stop writing in large areas. You know, California, yeah. Florida. I guess at your firm, at the agency, there are 
is that something you're working with people on? Maybe not those specifics, but with people about how to underwrite better or how not to just kind of paint with a broad brush that we can't insure this area, but maybe we could use technology to help us uh, do individual houses, something like that. Is, is that something you work on? Yeah, it's, it, it is definitely something that we talk to customers about. And I, I think this has been something in the insurance industry that's been talked about for a long time. You, you know, could you use just a zip code to, to underwrite and, and, for a while, that was probably okay, and and now it's like, could I write based off of a certain street? And now it's I need to know everything about that individual kind of house. I think generally in the insurance industry, we're seeing risks just getting exacerbated. So look at what's going on with the wildfires. You know, every season of weather seems to be worse from a cat perspective. Right, and you, and you think about that from you know, these coastal areas, Florida, California, and and the risks are are just becoming very, very tough to insure. And I think at the end of the day, insurance is a fundamental necessity and something that everybody deserves the right to have. Now, with that being said. The, just because you deserve it doesn't mean that it's going to be cheap or easy to get. And I think when you you live in these areas in Florida, California, and you're an insurer trying to write in those spaces, it's only going to get continue to get more and more difficult. And there's just all these technologies you know, that we are talking about that are starting to make it better and easier to to do the underwriting and these coastal carriers and these very kind of concentrated risk type of carriers are just going to have to continue to to really innovate to the point that we were speaking on earlier in order to successfully write this type of insurance or else and you know I don't I don't necessarily fully advocate for this it's going to become governmental driven um, because you know insurance carriers just aren't going to want to take on on the risks in certain areas yeah I was, I was having a conversation with my brother-in-law the other day and we were talking about how so many people are having a hard time finding affordable insurance. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's a couple ways to think about it. I mean, you, you, you could, you could take less coverage, right. Or you could say, I'll, you know, I want to be insured, but I don't want to be insured for my roof. Right. Yeah. You, you could start kind of piecemealing it. That's an option, but people, especially people with a mortgage, you have to have this insurance, but the price the price is just getting astronomical in certain areas. I mean, I don't, I don't really know the fix. I, one, something I've seen is that uh, the the uh, ENS market has has really had an uptick. Yeah. People writing unique policies, different policies. Um, I mean, is that the way of of the future? Do we see more of those? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, going back to the topic of Gen AI, like. If you ask the average individual to say, okay, what is what is your house insurance? They're going to say, I've got State Farm or I've got Nationwide. And you say, no, no, no. Like, what what coverages do you have? What are your limits? You know, what what are, what is your roof coverage? What is your hail deductible? Right. And they're they're going to be like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So when you when you talk about writing an insurance product where yeah, your house is insured, but your roof isn't. The average individual is not going to understand that at all. 
because they look at the insurance product as as an absolute requirement and not something that they're really invested in in that process. So I think I think when you think about like chat GPT and these these kind of gen AI capabilities, the buying process of insurance can be changed to a point where you may be able to get there because you're thoughtfully explaining to the individual what's unique to you. Okay, you live in an area where hail is very common and that is driving your premium up by 30% because you know we expect to spend X amount to fix your roof every couple of years. If you can explain the risk to a person in a way in which they could make those changes and you know each state was willing to allow that to happen, which is a big if, you know, I, I I definitely do think that 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 is a possibility. It's is it one I think that's in in the near near future. I think you're going to have to take one kind of uh, very forward looking state to do that, and then yeah. the insurers are going to have a very close eye on the success uh, or failure that someone takes by jumping in with both feet on that one. That makes sense. One other topic I wanted to bring up: something that I I assume you get involved, you know, conversations happen around this. As we sit here today, uh, a tropical storm just went up into Southern California. First tropical storm warnings uh, in the in the state's history, I believe is what I read. Yeah. And, you know, we had, we had big flooding. We have wildfires throughout. We have an Atlantic basin that's busier than I've seen in a long time. I mean, we have climate change. We have a lot of climate change going on. What are the, what are the conversations look like around around climate change and insurance? I, I think all insurers every year are bracing more now for cat season than ever before. And I think they're taking that into account when they think about underwriting, appetite, you know, where they're putting their capacity and, and where they want to do business and what that means from, you know, combined ratio perspective. You know, it goes back to that point we were talking about of, you know, do you really want to be a coastal carrier? And, 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 you know, if you're the large players that, you know, are advertising the nationwide, the all states of the world, and, and you're out there, it's not a good look to say, I don't, I don't want to be in a certain state anymore. So I think they try and avoid that as much as possible. I know state farms said they're not going to do any more business in California, new business. It's, it's not a great brand perception issue. So I think instead, most carriers are trying to figure out how to write that risk in a way in which is profitable. But I think they're then needing to lean into more of these tools that exist out there. So cat models you know, that are provided out there, how, how can you use your, your cat models to, to be more effective both in your underwriting, but as well as your capital modeling? And ensuring that you've got the right reserves and, and investment structure to to maximize your business, so yep. it's just it's changing a lot. It is, and I mean, even with the cat modeling, I'm, I mean, with the tropical storm going up in into Colorado or into California, it's something that's never happened, right? And so they weren't even able to go back and say, "Well, the last time this happened, we got this." Yeah, it's it it's always changing. It's always yeah. changing, but that's that's where we have to put our faith you know, a little bit of faith in the AI and say, as long as they put clean data in, I mean, it's better than us just guessing. Without a doubt. I mean, its ability to predict the unpredictable is a whole lot better than yours and mine. Yeah, no, I agree. Are there any other, are there any other topics out there that, that the insurance space is, is asking you about? Oh, 
Those, those are biggies. Those are biggies. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big question. You know, I, I, it keeps coming back to sales for me at the moment. Sales, yeah. like effective underwriting. I mean, we've, we've been doing a lot of work for, for carriers at the moment about digging into their existing data to drive better insights and enable a better sales outcome for folks. And I think that ties really nicely into this, this Gen AI kind of conversation that we started with, which is how do you take the data that we have about customers and the policies that they've purchased? And when you think about just, you know, the amount of data that these large carriers have on you as the individual, it is just unbelievable. And you flip it around and say, well, you know, how are you using that to better underwrite and create better kind of sales experiences? It's, it's, it's the short answer in most of these cases is it's not. And so we're helping carriers to really unlock those data sets and drive kind of better sales insights and, and let the seller focus on selling instead of trying to find the data point that they need to, to be able to enable a sale. And I think Gen AI just kind of superpowers that. I mean, is there a day when insurance companies are really pinpointing their, their advertising versus First, what Geico in the past has done is, you know, just blast it everywhere you can. Everyone knows about the 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 Geico ads. Is there a day when insurance is, you know, really targeted at an individual? Yeah, that is that is absolutely what is coming next. And I think uh, dependent on the way that it is deployed is going to have a big impact on the way that people perceive the insurance industry. And when you think about it, like, okay in the mail, probably multiple times a week, I get a generic letter from insert XYZ carrier's name about their ability to give me a better homeowner's quote on, on the house that I own. Right. They're not personalized. You you go and you're like, wow, that's a lot less than I pay now. And you go to their website and it requires you to fill in an hour long form to be able to get a quote just to find out it's not better than, than what you write today. In In the future, what I predict at least is basically those letters will come or they'll come via emails or they'll come via calls from what you think is a person on the other side with very detailed information, pre-quoted policies, maybe not 100% ready to bind without information from you, but close to it that are highly specialized. And unlike you or I, or someone who's out there selling insurance, they're not going to get tired of following up. And I think that that's the yeah. scary part is, is they're, they're not going to lose interest because they don't have, you know, the, that sense of, all right, it's time to give up. And so I think the way that insurance carriers kind of deploy these really personalized sales tactics in the future are going to really impact the perception of the insurance industry. Cause I, I expect within the next year or two to start seeing some of that highly, highly personalized sales outreach from the insurance carriers. I'm just thinking about cross-selling. Once they become a, a insured of yours, you can use all the different data points to, to know if they have a, a race car or if they have a, a motorcycle. And then you just make sure, I mean, you, you can just keep going from there. Yeah. Yeah. Cross-selling is, is another big topic that would, that we, uh, we are hearing a lot from our from our uh, our carrier customers about and how to do it more effectively. I mean, the the value of a of a carrier or of a customer who you know owns multiple products from you and how long they're going to stick with you is just exponentially higher than that of 
you know, someone that shops found you and is just deal shopping and we'll move on to the next product. Yeah. I was thinking about my insurance. I have numerous products. I don't even know what, it, what they are until I go on and I look I'm like, wow, I have all these products and I feel, you know, they're, they're just sticky. Yeah. They're sticky. It's so easy to leave it that I don't want to go talk to somebody and say, well, I got this and this and, and, and this over here, you know, oh, but my life insurance is with the other company. Yeah. Like, it's just easy. Well, and it's easy to stay because it's painful to leave. That's and exactly then, what it is. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think like, I think I, you know, I recently saw that my homeowner insurance went up like 15 or 20%. And, you know, being an insurance person, I immediately tried to dig in to figure out why, right? And I saw, okay, after enough digging through my carrier's website and, and looking to figure out my inflation premium had gone in. And so they had, they had upped, you know, what my dwelling coverage was by a significant amount. And all of a sudden the increased premium that I was paying made sense. But for the average individual, it's not so simple just to dig in and understand that. And yeah. I think like another great Gen AI, Gen AI use case is explanation of benefits, whether it's explanation of benefits, explanation of your policy, like whether that's applied to your personal auto and property policies or the medical bills that you get for your insurance in the mail, it, it, its ability to explain things in layman's term to the individual are going to be just so much easier. And then, you know, when you want to go shopping for insurance, it's no longer like this form of calculus where you're like, well, what do I own today? What does that premium or that that limit actually mean in this deductible? And how does that compare to a carrier that looks at it just slightly differently? Am I really comparing apples to apples? Like, all of these things, I think, are going to get a lot easier, which is at the total benefit to the customer. And and I think it'll be to the benefit of the carriers that adopt it in the right way, too. Do uh, you think that that insurance companies need to be need to be more visible for the insureds. Uh, at, at, I guess at one time I thought that insurance companies were moving towards, we want to be your best friend. We want you to think about us every day. But then I feel like it's kind of moved away and that insurance is like, we want you to think about us when you need us, but not when it's time to renew uh, or anything like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think each insurer takes kind of a different perspective towards that. I think if you think about like, the traditional kind of personal lines market, you know, nationwide, we're on your side and these kind of like things that are portrayed, these these branding images into the market. Yes, they want you to be thinking about them, but is it reasonable for you to like interact with your agent every week? And do you want to do that? Pro probably not. And so what what that means for them you know, in the personal line space, it's probably a bit more than it is in commercial line space. And, and they want to be present for you at the point of claim. But in between that, like personalized outreach, are they reaching out to you at big events in your life? Great. Does that mean a lot to the average customer? Maybe. Right. It, it right. depends, right? You know, a card in the mail wishing me happy birthday from my personal lines carrier. Does that stop me from wanting to move to another? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Probably I think not. I think in the commercial line space, though, you know, and I, I know like Alacrity, you're in you're in the space of managed repair and TPA and outsourced claims. 
yeah. I think the question of of how the uh, the TPAs and and the the adjusters kind of make themselves you know aware to the customer of the carrier that they're servicing is important and potentially changing. And I think there are certain carriers that really want to lean into the world of you know white labeling, the managed repair service, and the adjusting experience, and really kind of treating that whole claims process like gold mm-hmm. and leaning into it and creating the best possible customer experience. And then there are other carriers that that look at that process of you know it's it's time to indemnify this claim and and move on to the next one. And you know the managed repair process is somebody else, and they want to distance themselves from that. It really is a carrier kind of perspective on that 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 makes it unique in each case. Yeah, and, and I guess that's what makes it fun, right? Yeah. Every, every carrier decides we're going to do this. We think because of that, we'll keep more people and sell more policies. That's right. That's what makes the market go around. It's been going around for so long, and yeah. and it seems to work. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Well, Michael, we're here at the at the end of our podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This is a, a good time. Good deal. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll see if we can get you back on in the future as trends change and, and new things come about. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks so much for having me. I'd like to say thank you to Michael for being on today. I really enjoyed getting to visit with him and and think, you know, what I think my favorite part there was talking about the the, the cell cycle and how technology can help that. Uh, it, it can help pinpoint, it can help push uh, to sell. I'm always fascinated at that and the marketing side of things. Uh, but we look forward to having Michael back on to talk about other trends that we see. I assume as we as we go to more conferences, as we have more panels, as climate change grows and 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 claims happen, uh, I look forward to having him back on to talk about those things. Um, I like to say thank you to all the listeners uh, who who listened to us today and who have supported the podcast for the past five years. And a uh, special shout out to Rob Beller, uh, who um, who we don't have today. Uh, but who has really worked hard over the past five plus years on this podcast. Uh, he has really breathed a lot of his life into it, put a lot of his time and effort into it. And uh, I would say the majority of the guests, uh, many of the guests at least, get found through Rob and, and Rob pushing for it. So Rob, from all of us at FNO InsureTech, we want to say thank you for all that all that you've done for this podcast. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody.